This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Folks, welcome back into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night. Uh, as the Nuggets, uh, they, they drop one that they could have won. Uh, they lose to the Memphis Grizzlies tonight at Ball Arena. Final score, 122-118. Uh, this was a very entertaining game. There were a lot of fun moments. Uh, kind of slowed down by the refs a little bit, and both sides were... We're kind of fed up with it at various points and some weird-ass calls, not going to lie. But uh, for the most part, this was a really fun game where uh, Nikola Jokic was doing his thing. John Morant was doing his thing. Jeff Green was dunking on people. Uh, the Grizzlies and the Nuggets were both splashing from three. 44% for the Grizz, 40% for the Nuggets. This was one of those rare times where the Nuggets actually spaced the floor. And it, it's very rare that they, they space the floor and they lose. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that the problem tonight was the defense. And hyper-focusing on the bench, probably not the best thing in the world. There were things that Denver starters could have done better against the Grizz that I, I do think probably deserve more credence. Uh, they deserve a little bit more attention. But it is the micro details with the bench that I think are going to get people tied in knots. And I think it's been it's been really tough watching watching the bench, you know, watching Faku Composo specifically, uh, where where the problems are just right there in front of you. And it's really difficult to uh, kind of go through that and, and see that and just con- continue to kind of bash your head against the wall waiting for something to change when it doesn't. Uh, but we're going to save that for segments two, segment three. Uh, segment one, we're going to talk about the starters. And let's start it off with Nikola Jokic, who was really good for most of this game. I thought that this was a really good Nikola Jokic game where he didn't force a lot of things. Uh, he had 26 points on 11 of 16 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 3 from the line. Only three free throws is a little bit questionable. There were some, uh, there were some weird calls and non-calls that he, at one point in this game on a Jeff Green poster, he started the fast break and, and drove the drove the lane and got fouled, uh, grabbed the rebound, realized that the ref didn't make a call and, and just stared at the ref for a, stall, a solid second before realizing, okay, he's, he didn't make the call. And he, he had to kind of struggle in the paint for a little bit against some pressure before finding Jeff Green for a slam. But it's one of those instances where, man, after a 49-point triple-double, uh, tonight he gets his fourth triple double in a row. By the way, it's only Wilt Chamberlain has has had more in a row at six. Uh, very very impressive numbers for Nikola Jokic, obviously, and he had zero turnovers tonight. But uh, the thing that stands out to me, uh, the rest of the starting unit, 
Jeff Green, plus 13. Aaron Gordon, plus 10. Will Barton, plus 7. Monte Morris, plus 14. Nikola Jokic was a zero in the, he was even net neutral on the plus minuses tonight. And I think you can point to those bench units where he's playing with them and say, yeah, there's there's something going on there that hasn't really worked uh, for the Nuggets, at least tonight, but mostly it's been the entire year where not even Jokic has been able to prop up those guys by himself. And there were several instances tonight where Jok, he only shoots the ball 16 times, has 12 assists, zero turnovers, was a really fantastic game, but he was crowded all night tonight. He was in a clogged lane. Uh, on the perimeter, he was having to dribble through traffic a ton. The defense was collapsing on him a ton, but it was more pronounced than ever when the bench was out there. There's a screenshot going around Twitter, uh, which I gladly retweeted, that uh, John Conchar, who was defending Faco Campazzo on the play, uh, he has dug all the way down in on a Jokic post up on the right block. And Jokic is trying to deal with the pressure. He's trying to there was a double team coming on his uh, on the baseline, and then he's trying to navigate that, all while Faku Kampazo's man, John Conchar, has dug down to make it a triple team, and Conchar actually gets the strip, block, steal, whatever you want to call, on the possession. Jokic didn't see him. He probably didn't assume that that John Conchar would just blatantly leave Faku Kampazo wide wide open. And he saw that they were getting doubled from the baseline. Didn't realize that it would be a triple team from Faku's man as well. Uh, That's a problem. That is a really, really big problem. And you can see it throughout the game where Jokic has had to deal with double teams, triple teams, junk defenses by the opposing team because they're throwing the kitchen sink at him, trying to prevent him from scoring. Uh, It can can be really stressful. It can be really stressful for him, I'm sure. Um, Tonight, he said that... uh, he said that he didn't like not not he wasn't going to throw anybody under the bus. He said that if the entire team was was more consistent, then he then the Nuggets would be better. Uh, it's pretty clear what he means by that. And like the the starters were doing their job, and and I want to highlight them tonight. And even though it wasn't like perfect from the starting group, it's pretty clear that they are carrying the team right now. And start with Will Barton, who it, it definitely wasn't perfect with Will. Like he was ten of, but he was ten of eighteen from the field tonight. Twenty-seven points was a plus seven. Eight assists to three turnovers. That's a good ratio. Five rebounds. Uh, the defense wasn't perfect with him, but there were enough plays where he caused misses and caused uh, turnovers for the opposing team. That I think you can really like. Like you can't point the finger at him tonight. There were a couple of plays in the fourth quarter that a lot of people wanted to point the the finger on. But you're hyper-focusing. You're hyper-focusing in very specific moments when you just step back and look at the body of work. Will played 38 minutes tonight. He was off the court for 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, the Nuggets were a minus 17. Or no, not minus 17. They're a minus 11. Excuse me. Um, Wait, is that right? Yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um. If you can hear the the running around in the background, that is this cat that is just so excited to see me, uh, having been away all day. Um, but Will Barton was really good. He deserves a lot of credit. He played with a lot of swagger tonight, 
And there were some really, really impressive plays, some high-level reads where he was able to get the ball to Nikola Jokic and create some space for himself, rotate the ball around to other people. Uh, that's a really, really impressive performance from Will tonight, and it, it's a shame that it's going to waste. Um, Aaron Gordon tonight also played pretty well. He, he was only 4 of 11, but the rest of his game I thought was pretty decent. Not defensively. Uh, I thought that John Morant got wherever he wanted defensively, and Aaron Gordon was the primary guy on him. So make of that what you will. Um, but Aaron Gordon, 16 points, had two late threes in this game that, that helped kind of get Denver back into it, or at least kind of kind of shorten the gap a little bit. Um, 16 points on 11 shots, 6 of 6 from the line, 2 of 4 from 3, 6 rebounds, 9 assists. Two steals a block and only three turnovers compared to nine assists. He was a plus 10. When he was out there, when the Nuggets starting unit was out there, they were doing their thing. He was playmaking really well tonight, and he found Jeff Green for some cuts. He found Monte Morris and Will Barton on the perimeter. He found Yoke. Like, there were a lot of good plays from Aaron Gordon, I thought, tonight as a playmaker. And and you like to see that for a team in Denver where usually all the playmaking is on Jokic. Well, you've got Will Barton getting eight assists on top of Jokic's 12, and you've got Aaron Gordon getting nine assists. It's really incredible that those three shared the court as much as they did tonight. Jokic, Barton, Gordon. They combined for 29 assists, and the entire bench had four. That's really bad. Really, really bad, and it just goes to show that Denver's concentration of talent is, is clearly in their starting lineup. And whatever they throw at the bench has just it's been miss, miss, miss. Not hit or miss. Um, but Monte Morris also had an efficient shooting game tonight. 17 points, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Did have two bad turnovers in the fourth, I will say. Uh, one of them was on a kickout where he was caught up in the air trying to make a read and changed his read in the middle of the air. Another was trying to get the ball to Jokic, and he just couldn't get the ball there. Uh, you never usually see those plays with Monte, and there were the only two turnovers for him on the game, so I'm not going to flame him for it. Uh, not to mention he had the highest plus-minus on the team. When he was out there, like with these starters, they were doing some good things. Like Jeff Green didn't hit any threes tonight, but the rest of the Nuggets had at least, or the rest of the Nuggets starters had at least two threes each, and they shot efficient percentages. Denver should have won this game tonight with the effort that they got. Jeff Green as well. Like, let's just talk about him while we're here. 15 points on 12 shots, seven rebounds, one assist. He had three blocks. They they took away one of them. He had four at one point, but he was guarding Jaron Jackson very well. And just, it just kind of seemed to fall apart. Um, not with him specifically, but he made a lot of important plays. And he even made some important plays for the bench. But there's just not a lot to like um, beyond what the starting unit is doing right now. Because they they seem to have their stuff together. More often than not, they have put Denver in a really good position. Even against John Morant and Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams and good players like that. They have put themselves in a good position to succeed. And they usually give Denver a lead. Whether it's Barton on one night uh, Aaron Gordon on another, Jeff Green on another. Like each of the Den- each of Denver starters had 15 plus tonight. That should really 
describe it to you. Jeff Green had 15, Aaron Gordon had 16, Morris had 17, Jokic had 26, Barton had 27. That is a lot of points combined. The bench had 17 points total. Denver starters had 101. Denver should have won the game. They really should have. And the lack of scoring on the bench, the lack of floor spacing on the bench, despite the fact that they just signed a 41% three-point shooter, is bad. We're going to talk about that now. But first, let's get to our sponsor for today's podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook, because as you know, we're getting into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and we saw Peyton Manning in the house tonight. He was a prospective owner of the Denver Broncos. That should be really interesting. And you know who else owns the Broncos? The Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just kidding. I'm not Matt Moore. Uh, But the Kansas City Chiefs are playing this weekend, and they are playing in the divisional round against Josh Allen and the Bucks, or not the Bucks, uh, the Bills, excuse me. Uh, And you can bet on that game. If you're a new customer betting for DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet 56 to 1 odds on either the Bills or the Chiefs or the Buccaneers if you're a Tom Brady fan or any of the teams that are participating in the divisional round. All you have to do is bet just $5, get 280 back in free bets if your team wins. That's 56 to 1 odds, good for Super Bowl 56. If you're not a new customer, that's okay because they're same-game parlays that are also a big part of the divisional round uh, promotion that's going on. You can get in on the action if you want to bet on uh, let's say you're the chief. Let's say you're betting on the Chiefs and you're betting on Travis Kelsey to get a touchdown. You can bet on him to get a touchdown. You can bet on Patrick Mahomes to throw a touchdown, uh, probably three. And I'm sure that your odds are going to get even better if you combine those bets together. Combine those bets, get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. Uh, DraftKings, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It really is a simple thing. So make sure to go download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and tell them that you came from us by using promo code MHS. Like I said, get 56 to 1 odds on this new promotion when you bet on any NFL team if you're a new user. Let them know that you came from us with promo code MHS at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackbird here thank you so much for tuning in uh if you can it would be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe i, I love seeing the new reviews come in i love seeing where where people have the positive feedback I, I know that uh i don't necessarily endear myself to everybody who's a nuggets fan but I, I want to share the love with as many people as i possibly can uh so if you're interested hit that uh subscribe button for the podcast on apple podcast spotify google wherever you get your pods that'll be fantastic all right uh let's go over the bench minutes let's go over the uh 
the bench minutes that happened, and, and I, I don't want to belabor it because they were mostly bad, but let's start with the good. Um, Brent Forbes made his debut, and I basically predicted the rotation other than having Bones Highland coming in instead of Brent Forbes. Uh, Brent Forbes got to play a lot with the starters. It was actually pretty cool to see. Uh, Denver, they like... They started out this game and, and were kind of even with the with the Grizz or, or at least pretty close to it. Maybe they were down just a little bit, but Bryn Forbes comes into the game as the sixth man, and he comes in for Jeff Green, and they play a couple minutes with Monte, Bryn Forbes, uh, Gordon, Barton, and Jokic. And Bryn immediately comes in and hits a couple shots. He, he gets those shots up, plays pretty well, uh, doesn't necessarily make everything, but it looked pretty good with how he was being used off of screens and how he was incorporating himself into Denver's actions. And he spoke after the game that it wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't necessarily the actual actions that were giving him some trouble. It was the, uh, terminology. It was, it was how they, they make the calls and what they, what they call certain things, because remembering all of those things after, uh, coming from a team with the Spurs, I'm sure it's been, it was pretty difficult with the Spurs, like where they use their terminology and he's been there for four years, then left uh, to go to Milwaukee, then came back and he obviously picked those back up again with the Spurs this year. But now he's with his the third team and only like his only his third team in six years, despite being a role player. And he, he feels like a guy that should have bounced around the league a little bit because of the role that he fills. Um but he was pretty good in the first half. I think he went three of six, did did some good things, not necessarily good on the defensive end. And as we watch him a little bit more, as I watch him a little bit more closely, I'm going to start picking up more on the defensive issues. And I think playing three guards tonight in Faku, Bryn Forbes, Bones Highland, I think that really exacerbated the issues. Don't get me wrong. Um, but what I will say is that I do think that there's a role for Forbes in Denver to play significant minutes and also be good. Like, it doesn't have to be a bad defensive unit if Bryn Forbes is out there. They just have to find ways to hide him a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit difficult when you play three guards, like I said, but once Denver gets some other guys back into the building, they're going to find other ways to make him more impactful and hopefully he does more as a three-point shooter than what he did tonight. He took 10 twos tonight and only three three-pointers. One of the reasons was because the Grizzlies were just running him off the line religiously. They know a lot about Bryn Forbes being in the same division. And the Grizzlies guards are also very competent. Uh, D'Anthony Melton was a primary defender. Jarek Culver was a primary defender. Uh, John Morant, John Conchar. Those guys are very smart. They know what they're doing. And this team and the Grizzlies is just extremely athletic and long. So you're going to have a very small window to get off those quick catch-and-shoot shots. And it was pretty clear that he wasn't necessarily comfortable with firing it up uh, with a, a really, really tight contest. So I think that's the difference between Bryn Forbes and maybe, say, a, a Joe Harris or a Duncan Robinson or even a Steph Curry or Clay Thompson is that he's going to need some space in order to hit those shots. He's going to be efficient when he gets those shots off, but he's a little bit more gun-shy when going through contests than I was expecting. So that's going to be something to 
definitely monitor as the season goes along. Uh, but it was fine. Like, he, he missed some shots tonight. He wasn't great on defense tonight. Give him a full pass. Like, this is his first time with the team. Hasn't had a lot of time around them to learn the terminology. And Denver's backcourt is a freaking disaster right now. So once Jamal Murray comes back, if you're staggering uh, Murray with Forbes and you're playing those two together instead, might look a little bit different. Definitely will probably have some more attention taken off of Forbes in that case. But we'll see. We will see. Um, No boogie tonight. Michael Malone said uh, post-game that he's dealing with some sort of ailments. He wasn't really specific on that, and Boogie wasn't on the injury report tonight. Uh, so they, they're they clearly trying to... And here's here's the thing. So that ailment that, that Malone is being so ambiguous about, that is the reason why he didn't sign immediately with Denver. He didn't sign the 10-day immediately, despite it being rumored, because he's been dealing with this ailment. I'm not sure what it is. My guess is that it's COVID-19. My guess is that he was dealing with symptoms, that he was really having to work hard to work back through those symptoms, and the Nuggets wanted to give him the time, while also not being on health and safety protocols, in order to make that happen, in order for him to play as many games as possible. Now, that is conjecture. That is a a guess. That is not fact. Please do not take that as fact. It's just what I believe probably happened. But either way, the Nuggets were hoping that he would be available tonight. They clearly decided to wait one more night. And so instead of Boogie, you're going to get Jeff Green staggering. And no fault to Jeff Green. Like, he still was a plus 13 tonight, despite the fact that the bench was freaking awful. That just goes to show what what Jeff Green's minutes were like, uh, for the most part, when he wasn't with the bench. When he was playing with other people. Um, Jeff Green was fine. He was he grabbed seven rebounds. The rest of the unit combined grabbed seven rebounds. Uh, the Grizzlies bench unit, for one, uh, they grabbed 21 rebounds. So Denver's bench guys got out-rebounded 21-7. to seven. Um, The size is going to be an issue with this unit. So unless Boogie can like, um, unless Boogie can be a, a one man wrecking crew with the rebounding, then Denver's probably still going to have some issues there when they go with three small guards. I am very curious to see how they handle it going forward. But Jeff Green, along with Denver's three small guards, it's probably still going to be an issue. Um, but let's talk about the guards, or not Brent Forbes. Let's talk about Faku. Faku's becoming an issue, and I don't think it's wild to say that I don't think it's wild to say that a lot of Denver's issues are boiled down to him. There are so many sets that Denver's running offensively right now where Faku is trying to drive into the paint and either can't get there or refuses to shoot there when he does. He cuts to the rim, he goes to the rim, has the ball in his hands, pounds it, and just can't make any progress. And him not being able to get to the rim has really exasperated this problem where he's going through a three-point shooting slump right now. And because you're going through a three-point shooting slump, 
now if you can't score at the rim and you can't shoot, there's just nowhere for you to be an impactful player unless you're so good on the defensive end that you're winning those possessions consistently. And the fact is, is that the plus minus thing of this, I see the possessions where Faku gets a steal. I see the possessions where Faku forces an opponent to draw an off, like it draws an offensive foul on an opponent. He did that tonight and it was a good play, kind of a junky play, but it was a good play. Um, But those plays, those ones where they're very loud, they're very involved, they don't necessarily outweigh, actually, not necessarily, they do not outweigh the rest of the body of work that's going down. You want to know why Bones and and Bryn Forbes were having such a problem getting their shots off tonight? It's because they're having multiple guys rotate at them and constantly are facing extra pressure. When the Nuggets are running guys off screens, if Faku passes them the ball, they're going to help off of Faku one pass away so that Bryn Forbes doesn't get an open shot, so that Bones Highland doesn't get an open shot. Bones, the two threes that he took tonight, they were so deep because they need that spacing, because Denver needs that space that they aren't going to be able to, like, 30 feet is the only place where he's going to be able to get an open shot. Stop playing. God. Um, It's tough. It's a tough place for Denver to be. And then on top of that, like I was talking about with the Jokic minutes, Denver's biggest issue with the Jokic minutes right now, I think Matt Moore had this and and then posted this on Twitter. Jokic with the minutes without Faku was a plus 19. Jokic in the 11 minutes that he played with Faku tonight was a minus 19. It's not like the defense that Faku plays is not making up for the fact that when the opposing team is on the court and when Jokic is on the court, They're going to be like, to hell with guarding Faku Kampazo. We are going to double and triple team Nikola Jokic half to hell and make his life as difficult as possible. Faku is not making life easy for Jokic. He's making life more difficult. And I thought that Swipa last night when I was talking with him about the rotations He made that point that if you're not making life easier for the MVP of the league, then it's really hard to have you in the rotation and playing minutes with him. Denver's built a good roster around Jokic. They don't necessarily need another traditional ball handler when he's out there. But they are staggering him with them. They are trying to make that work. And it's just, it's not really working. Sorry, I had to put the cat away. Uh, this cat really needs its own segment of the podcast. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Nikola Jokic, he, he said that the... Uh, should, let me see if I can find the quote here real quick. Um, Nikola Jokic said, If we can find a golden middle just to be more consistent, I think that can really help us. So I'm calling the second segment of my podcast the golden middle because this is where, where the gold really happens. This is where I start really talking about what really matters for this team. And it's not surprising that for the most part, for the most part, uh, the bench is the second segment, that they have been the problem. They have been uh, the the entity that has really tanked what's been going on in Denver. And it's just tough. Like, Yoke has been doing, he's been working so hard. The team has been working so hard. 
it's just tough to, to see this consistently. But yeah, with Faku, it's just uh, it's just one of those things. I think I'll touch on this in the third segment, and we're just gonna we're gonna walk through the solutions. We're gonna walk through what Michael Malone can do in the third segment. But that one's just it's something's got to change. It. We're gonna talk about what. All right, Bones Highland only three shots tonight. This is one of those things where kind of a shock to the system to have Bryn Forbes come in, where he you want to run some plays for him, you want to have him get some shots. And Bones also wants to get him some shots for sure. Uh, but the distribution, like Bones only getting three shots and Forbes getting 13, that can't happen going forward. The Nuggets need to be a little bit more diverse with their play calls. I know they're trying to work Bryn Forbes in, but Bones is out there to shoot the basketball. He's out there to play. And, and it's really tough to... Um, it's really tough to have Bones out there if you're going to either put the ball in Faku's hands or just try to find Forbes the entire time. Sometimes they even put it in Jeff Green's hands to try to be a post-up threat, but it's just tough. They're, they're in a really tough spot with this, and I, uh, I just hope that they continue to trust Bones because the sense that I get from this is that Faku's going to continue to be in the rotation and that Bones is eventually going to be the one that's cut out. And that's tough. That's a that's a tough place for for Denver to be because I think Bones has just been better than Faku. But is what it is. We will see about that. Finally, Zeke Naji, um, one of two tonight from the field, both threes. The times where he went into the paint, he got fouled. Uh, as an offensive guy, he received some dump offs. He actually drove the lane after a closeout for the opposing team. Uh, caught the ball on the three point line. They closed out hard on him because he's shooting 47% from three. And he drove to the lane and got two free throws out of it. So that part of his game is really good. He's actually been one of the more efficient guys on Denver's roster. Uh, Especially tonight, you get eight points on two shots. Eight points on five shooting possessions. That's pretty good. That's about as good as you can ask for. As, As strong of a game as you can. The problem is he only grabbed one rebound. And... Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark grabbed three offensive rebounds. Xavier Tillman grabbed two offensive rebounds. Steven Adams grabbed three. Jaron Jackson grabbed one. It's a, it's not a stretch to say that the margin in this game, where it was a four-point margin, Memphis grabbing three extra offensive rebounds over Denver could have been the difference. Absolutely could have been the difference. Uh, whether it's throughout the game, whether it's in the closing seconds, I don't know. Uh, but I tweeted tonight that I think Zeke Naji is not an NBA caliber rebounder. And we haven't seen enough from him in these minutes where he has attacked the glass. He always floats. He doesn't really box out. Or when he does box out, he never grabs the rebound afterwards. When he gets the hands, when he gets his hands on the ball, the ball often just slips through. Like he he has a really hard time grabbing the ball with two hands. And that's a really like, that's a skill that you have to have where you win those possessions, where you make the hustle plays. Zeke needs to be a guy that wins the hustle plays or else he's never going to play for this team in the playoffs. Like, it's just that simple. Like, I think that Jamichael Green is a better rebounder than Zeke Naji, And I think that's one of the reasons why when Jamichael Green comes back from health and safety, he's going to be in the rotation over Zeke. Because Michael Malone cares more about the rebounding from the center position 
or the power forward position and when when Cousins plays over the three point shooting. And that's fine. That's a that's a fair assessment, I think. Both of those things matter, and it's just one of those we see and talk about a lot more than the other. But Zeke Nagy having one rebound in 12 minutes, being a minus 14 and giving up four personal fouls, that is not a good game overall, despite the fact that he shot pretty efficiently. So this is the problem with Zeke. This is where he needs to improve. How can he impact the game in his role? And what can he do as a six foot ten, six foot eleven, undersized center who kind of plays an oversized wing position? What is his role for the Nuggets in the playoffs? Does he have a role for the Nuggets in the playoffs? And if he doesn't, is he a guy that Denver looks to deal? Because he's one of those young players that other teams may be more willing to have some patience with than Denver is willing to afford right now. I think that's just the hard truth of it. That they may just decide to go with Jamichael Green, Jeff Green. Uh, if Michael Porter comes back, then he'll play minutes over Zeke Naji. That's for damn sure. Like, if Zeke can't crack this rotation with as badly as Jamichael Green has played, as much as Denver needs a center when they already moved Bull Bull. That's a really, really bad sign. So I hope he gets back on track. They desperately need it for sure. We're just going to have to see. Let's take a break. We're going to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about Faku Composo. Let's just have this conversation right now. And I know that I'm I'm the guy that, that brings up the plus minus. I'm the guy that looks at the numbers, and uh, that's why I wanted one. First of all, I don't tweet Faku Composo's name anymore, and it has gotten me less hate. And I think that that's a good thing. That it's just very frustrating that this has to be a thing as as often as this is. Um, but Faku is the issue. He's not the only issue, but he is the primary issue right now with the second unit. StatMuse put out a tweet tonight that Faku Campazzo on the season is a minus 234 in the plus minus department. They said that's the worst plus minus by a player on a 500 team or better. Um, I knew that. I, as somebody who has tracked this before, like I, I don't necessarily put that out all the time, but that is the worst plus minus by a 500 player. What they said in their second sentence really, uh, really shocked me. That's it's 111 points worse than the next worst player. That's a lot of points over, let's say. Let's say about 45 games. Let's talk about like what Denver's doing right now. That is in between two and three points given up more than the worst plus minus or the next worst plus minus player. So Denver is always in a position where 
when Faku then leaves the court, they are at least a bucket worse every single time than the very worst other options in the or kind of around the league in the, the NBA's best rotations. Denver's in a really tough position right now where they've had to deal with injuries with Jamal Murray being out, PJ Dozier being out, uh, ultimately trading him. They acquired Bryn Forbes and they acquired Bryn Forbes as, as a, another guard option, somebody that can ultimately sort of bolster that rotation a bit. But it's also to kind of solidify this, where in the minutes where Denver is playing with this bench unit and, and specifically in the minutes where Faku then comes back in and plays with the starters, like those are the worst minutes. They really are somehow, some way. Faku has turned one of Denver's best lineups into one of their worst. And it wasn't more evident than tonight where you see him, where you see his man consistently, like where you see his man consistently leave him to double yoke or to triple team yoke or to rotate onto another player that's about to have an advantage. They are leaving Faku wide open. They do not care about what he does with the basketball, with the starters. And it's getting to a point now where it's on the scouting report for every single team. The Clippers started this. They started this right before Christmas or right after Christmas, whenever they played. Where they would have Eric Bledsoe just completely leave Faku Campazzo on the second unit. Or whether it was Faku or whether it was Eric Bledsoe or if it was uh, Brandon Boston or Reggie Jackson or somebody of that ilk. Luke Kennard, they aren't guarding him. And when you're not guarding and when you're playing four on five consistently, like we saw some of this with uh, with Mason Plumley, When Mason Plumley and Torrey Craig specifically were playing with the starters, Denver had to work through some issues with those groups where teams weren't guarding Mason. They were sagging into the paint, double-teaming Jokic, making his life difficult, Jokic and Plumlee eventually figured it out, and they actually started playing pretty well together. But that's because Plumlee is nearly seven feet and can dunk. He could play around the rim. He could float around the rim and finish at the basket. Faku can't. Faku just can't do some of the things that the starting lineup needs specifically. And it's one of the reasons why when you look at the plus-minus for Jokic with other players whether it's Austin Rivers or Bones Highland or Davon Reed or Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, going on. All of those guys find a way to be positive when Nikola Jokic is on the court, except for Faku Campazzo. Because what he does best is as a traditional point guard, somebody with the ball in his hands who can get downhill and can, can, can distribute to a spaced floor around him and throw lobs to a dunker, throw lobs to somebody above the rim. Well, Jokic doesn't have or Jokic doesn't have that, and with the spacing issues that Denver has had, you want the ball in Jokic's hands so he can make the best decision with the basketball. But the problem is that when you take the ball out of Faku Campazzo's hands, him being a shooting guard or a small forward in this setup, an off-ball player, is just not helpful. It's just not good. And Denver's finally starting to realize that, I think. I think with Bryn Forbes, I think with Bones Highland, I think with Davon Reed, who did not play tonight, 
even with Austin Rivers, I think you can look at all of those guys and say, okay, they need to they need to be guarded on the perimeter. We need to respect them. We need to respect their jumper. We know that Austin Rivers is capable of giving us 20. He did it to the Thunder this year. He did it to other teams. He's done it to the Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs last year. And he's still a bad option. But he did it. I'm not sure if Faku is able to prove that unless it's on his terms. Unless he's playing a team that is not a good team. The Memphis Grizzlies are a good team and they took advantage of these minutes tonight. The Utah Jazz are a good team and they took advantage of those minutes tonight. Or not tonight, uh, last week. The Clippers did so again. Denver only played Faku nine minutes. Michael Malone knows this. He understands this. It's, It's not like he's trying to fight the narrative a little bit. He's trying to give Faku as much of a leash as possible, like because he does all of the right things that Fa- that Mo- Malone wants from him. He wants somebody who's going to hustle to make the extra play, to make the extra pass, to do the right thing, and to respond when he says something. That when when coach wants to coach up Faku Campazo, he knows he's going to apply that and try two hundred percent. It's not always like that with other players. But other players are just better with the ball. Other players know how to score. And Faku's really struggling on all, all accounts with that. So what are the options? What does Denver have? They didn't play Davon Reed tonight. They didn't play Austin Rivers tonight. I think going forward, if it were me, I would try moving Bones Highland to the one. I would try playing Bryn Forbes next to him. I would stagger Monte Morris and Will Barton with the second unit a little bit. I would try to play a little bit more spacing. Uh, you can, you can, like, if you go bones at the one, you can stagger Monte Morris with them. Like, you could have Bryn Forbes come in and play a de facto point guard role next to Jokic, but you don't necessarily need to worry about Bryn Forbes spacing the damn court for Yoke. Like, you could have Bryn Forbes in that position and still be okay. And I honestly just don't think the defense is going to suffer as much as some people do. Because Faku, for all of the talented things that he does on the defensive end, I don't think they are impactful from a long-term season standpoint. I think at the moment, people can get caught up on the emotion of it, the willpower of it, what it means to have somebody make those plays in the moment to get you through tomorrow. But I think on an aggregate scale, Denver has clearly not played their best defense when Faku's on the court. And it's not just because, like, Bones is out there. Even when they played good defenders, P.J. Dozier, Jamichael Green. Jamichael Green's a good defender. Jeff Green's a good defender. Austin Rivers is a good defender. When they played those units, they sucked defensively. So it can't just be identified as, oh, they have bad defenders around them. No, they don't. Like, Davon Reed comes in. He's a good defender. He knows what he's doing. But sometimes it doesn't matter because sometimes people just shoot over Faku. And sometimes sometimes people just attack normally. Like, they don't care that Faku's in their way. Or at least good teams don't. Like, he stole the ball from Jared Culver tonight. I'm not worried about Jared Culver. I'm worried about John Morant. And they had no part of wanting Faku Campazzo guarding John Morant tonight. Any time that Faku was in the game with John Morant, they either had Aaron Gordon on him or they had Denver in zone. 
And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it was fine. Faku could make some fun plays and get in on the action and do some good things flying around. But on the aggregate, it's not good enough. Especially when it comes with the spacing concerns offensively. When he's not putting pressure on the rim. When he's not scoring on the outside. When he's not helping his teammates get better. They are actively worse. And it needs to stop. I think you play Bones. I think you play Bryn Forbes. I think you space the court with those two guys. And I think you stagger Monte Morris or Will Barton with those two. And that's how you go forward. You space the court. You do what you can. If it doesn't work, you can yell at me later. But Denver hasn't tried that yet. They keep going back to this. No matter what. They always go back to Faku. And until we see something different, I'm going to keep harping on it. Because right now it's bad, and right now he's the only guy that kind of ties this all together. There were times where Jamichael Green was the problem, where Bones was the problem, where Austin Rivers was the problem, where P.J. Dozier was the problem. Now Bryn Forbes is the problem because he goes 4 of 13? No. Bryn Forbes is a better shooter than that. He needs to see better looks, and he's not getting them with the current setup. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins helps. Maybe Zeke Naji just isn't ready. And maybe they need another veteran out there that can really put pressure on the opposing team. Maybe Davon Reed isn't the answer. Maybe Bones Highland needs some more time. Maybe they just need to wait until Jamal Murray. But until then, Denver's going to keep losing these minutes over and over and over and over again. And they're going to lose Nikola Jokic in MVP. They're going to lose the Nuggets an opportunity to host a playoff game. Because despite the fact that they've been so good in the minutes when the starters are on the court, they're giving it all away. And it's frustrating. It is frustrating to wit's end. And it's why I keep looking for solutions. It's why I'm very excited to see Murray and Porter come back. Because I don't want to deal with this problem anymore. I am tired of talking about it. It is frustrating. Not to mention it's frustrating to be called out and be be called stupid names by people that don't know what they're talking about. C'est la vie. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, in America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you support the program, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure uh, podcasting for you. It's been a pleasure podcasting for the Nuggets audience that likes it. Um, if you like what I do, make sure to give me a rating, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me because uh, it's been a tough season. There have been some fun moments like this last game, uh, but against this Grizzlies team, uh, this was this was really tough. So, everybody, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the support. I will be back next week. See you. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. 
Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.